1: Aren't you afraid the Empire is going to find out about this little operation? Shut you down? It's always been a danger, but it looms like a shadow over everything we've built here. But things have developed that'll ensure security. (laughs) I've just made a deal that'll keep the Empire out of here forever.
2: and Padawans to episode 188 of Full of Sith. I am the Mike Pilot, and with me, my glorious co-hosts, Amy Ratcliffe and Brian Young. I'm happy to be back with you guys this week. You guys and Bobby did an amazing show last week with Bresnikan, and um, I wouldn't tell you, I enjoyed listening to it, and um, the word on the street is everybody loved that show as well, so thank you for doing such a great show, because it actually helped me throughout the week when I was listening to it. So, let's jump into what we're doing today. Brian, do you want to uh, let everybody know what we're doing
3: so toward the end of the show, you're going to be hearing an interview with uh, the author of Shakespeare Star Wars, Ian Docher. Uh He's going to be appearing at uh, the Salt Lake uh, City Public Library next week, actually, where they have like a first folio of Shakespeare's on display. And so he and I are going to have a conversation in the auditorium at the library that's free for everybody, any of our Salt Lake listeners who want to check it out. But we'll have the audio on the show later. But uh, he and I talked for about 20 minutes. Uh, that you'll hear at the end of this show. But there was some big news that kind of happened this week, and we wanted to to dive deep into the character of Lando Calrissian since we have a new actor portraying him in the, Hans, the, the Han Solo movie, and that's Donald Glover.
2: He's amazing. I love him. I think he's a great
3: choice.
1: I think he's incredibly talented, and yeah, that news made me very happy.
3: Uh, is there a worry that it's too obvious a choice?
1: Not for me.
2: No, I, I, if if I would have sat down and thought about actors to play Lando Calrissian, I mean, I, I would have come up with him eventually because, like I said, I I enjoy him in everything I've ever seen him in. He, I mean, Rich Purnell is a steely-eyed missile man, but I I don't think it's like an like the obvious choice, and it's overdone or it's gonna be overdone. I just think that he's just he's the kind of actor, he's the kind of talent that could really be the the smooth talking Lando Calrissian. I really think he could pull it off awesomely. So.
3: For people who might not be familiar with him, uh, you referenced him in The Martian. Yeah. He's, he's been the voice of Miles Morales in uh, on Ultimate Spider-Man. And uh, he's going to be in the upcoming Spider-Man movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. He also, um, a lot of people know him from Community, the
1: TV oh, Well, I was
3: going to ask about that because I've never actually seen Community.
1: Wow, it's it's so rare that I've seen things you haven't, I feel like. <laughs>
2: I saw, the like, the first couple seasons of Community. Um, I, I stuck around for that show mainly for him. I, I He's hilarious.
1: Yeah, he's pretty genius in that show, actually.
2: And this is not
3: his first Star Wars work, either. Sort of. Oh, do tell. Uh, he was the voice of Mace Windu and some troopers on uh, Robot Chicken Episode 3.
1: Nice. Really? I
2: didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Let's please not forget he was in Magic Mike XXL, because he is fantastic in that. And if you ever... If you have any question about, you know, if Lando is a smooth back then, which he may not be, this is a young Lando, he still might be figuring that out. He could be super awkward dude who goes through transformation, but if there is that. Which he could
2: also do that.
1: Yeah, he totally could. But if there's that quality of smooth and you kind of want to see a taste of Donald Glover delivering that, watch, watch Magic Mike XXL because dude is the smoothest in that. Yeah,
2: he puts the XXL in that Magic Mike.
1: He's so good in that. Oh, and I've heard that Lance is really good. His new show on FX.
2: I haven't gotten to check that out yet, but I'm gonna to have to. Well,
3: it's interesting that everybody sort of knows him from different things. I'm just like I heard him as Spider Man once, uh, oh. and I saw him in that uh, in that Martian picture. But uh, I haven't seen much of his other stuff. But I, I'm everybody is telling me it's just right.
2: Go on Hulu and watch the first couple episodes of Community. Like, what I just said to Amy, that if like, if Lando was you know, figuring out he was young, he was uh, kind of awkward. If you watch those episodes, you could totally see that right away.
3: So, to talk about Lando, I'm wondering, just overall, uh, Amy, starting with you, if you want to give us your thoughts about Lando as a character in his totality. And I know you've got some conflicting thoughts that I'm interested to hear about.
1: I just didn't like when he was in Star Wars Rebels. I thought that kind of... Portrayal of him was a little bit of a caricature. But in the films, and especially in the comic, that pleasantly surprised me. You know, I think that he's... I like that he wears a cape. I feel like in, in Star Wars, capes are a sign of... Kind of like, I'm showing off my wealth a little, or my power. Uh, some power in some way, be it money or not. And he's so proud of running his, his little set up on in cloud city and so proud of being an administrator i think that a cape just suits that like look what i have done personality will flair. yeah they totally do like you, you make a statement when you wear a cape and lando just owns it and i like i like that part of his personality and i like that dude screws up pretty hugely and
3: over and over and over again
1: yeah but he doesn't at least betray people all the time. He just screws up.
3: Well, do you think and I guess this kind of comes down to a nature of his character? Did he betray Lobot?
1: Lobot? Remind me why he in the have... comic. Oh. Would you that's call right.
3: that a betrayal?
1: Oh, that's true.
3: If you have sure. if you haven't read the Lando comic, uh it was written by Charles Sewell, who's who's on the Poe Dameron comic now. And it's I think, five of the best issues of Star Wars comics they've put out in this new era. And it's heartbreaking, and it's wonderful, and it adds to the mythology. So I'm just throwing that out there. You both have read it, right?
2: I've read four of the five.
3: Oh, you're missing the that punch-to-the-gut ending.
2: I'm getting there. You can spoil it I, I, if you want to talk about it. I'm not worried about it. Because that's, that's kind of my fault. Like, if I was really worried about it, I would have read it before we did the show tonight.
3: Let's just, let's just say he puts... The situations he puts everyone in, and the way things play out, he puts he forces L- Lobot into a really bad place, uh, and he kind of takes that weight of that guilt with him. Is that is that a fair way to put it, Amy?
1: Yeah, I think that's a accurate way to to describe it.
2: How I always thought of Lando, especially with with what happened on Cloud City, and with Han, and I'm, maybe this is the same case with Lobot in, in that that issue, but. So he was trying to make decisions that were best, not only just for him, but he did have a community of people in Cloud City that he was trying to take care of and keep the Empire out and, and be able to do his thing. So, yes, did he betray Han Solo? Well, yeah, kind of, but that was the relationship they've always had. I mean, Han should have that's kind of expected the, that.
3: That's not the basis of a friendship.
2: Well, you know what? Hey, friendships are made on less than that, Brian. You know, people are people. So Who have been your friends, Mike? Brian Young, have you I what. ever betrayed you? Yes, no, what so will you let me talk, let me talk. This is a betrayal from you while I'm trying to get my thought process out. No, Brian oh. has never betrayed me. What I'm trying to say is so they were they were uh they were scoundrels, Brian, right? If you have a friend that is a scoundrel, you should pretty much expect if if Hondo was your best friend, right, wouldn't you kind of expect at some point for Hondo to do hondo and kind of throw you under the bus at one point
3: but it's it was han that threw lando under the bus at which huh? point bringing him by going to cloud city before cloud city han was the one han should have expected that lando would do it because han is the one who did that to lando and
1: that's i don't I'm know saying. whatever it
3: was
2: well that's what i'm saying
1: also betrayal then there's darth vader <laughs> yeah darth vader
3: the fact that Lando Calrissian was able to negotiate in any way, shape, or form with Darth Vader should give you an indication about how smooth-talking that guy is.
2: Well, Vader did what Vader was going to do anyway because he yeah. didn't follow up on what he said. So smooth talk or not, whatever. But what, the point I was trying to make, Brian, is is that so Lando did what was best not only just for his interest but the people in Cloud City because he was proud of being the administrator of that and, and what he had, had going on there. but if he wouldn't have done things in the way he did, and I'm not, like, sticking up for Lando, but if he wouldn't have done it in that way... So Han didn't get killed. He was going to be he was sent to, to Jabba. He was in the, the Carbonite, and and then that left an opening for them to go save him then. So it kind of took Han out of the picture. Han didn't get killed at that moment, and, you know, it worked out in the end, but he had to do what was best at that moment. And he got... Listen, he almost got his head ripped off by Chewie.
1: You're right. He did consider the greater good when he betrayed. I'm using like when he betrayed Han. It was in order to save. It was in sort of, like some sort of sacrifice to help his people.
2: And once he found out that Vader wasn't really going through with his side of the deal, he did what he could to try to help Leia and Chewie and everybody else. I I'm wondering how people. And and Mike you might be
3: the only one who can come close to answering this question but that that cuz you're just a little bit older than me um that uh, return of the jedi was my first film so like lando's redemption has always been complete uh in my mind right Mhm and I'm wondering if you remember or or remember any of the reaction of how people felt about Lando in that three year period between empire and Jedi before they were able to see him. Cause I mean like even empire ends a little weird. It's like you betrayed him and now you're like, you're wearing his clothes and driving his ship. Like this is, this is some weird like Alfred Hitchcock stuff here.
2: <laughs> it is. And, and what yeah. I, what I do remember from that time. And I remember how I felt at that time too. People were upset. Like what's, so it's it's a cliffhanger, and you're worried what's gonna happen to everybody, not just Han solo, but I think the the big thing that helped in that situation, and people can email in and tell me that I'm absolutely wrong, but what the the, the pulse that I got from people back then was if it would have just been Lando did what he did the the movie ends without Lando helping Leia getting Chewie and everybody off in the Millennium Falcon if Lando just would have disappeared like Lobot, you know um. I think people would have had a, a much major issue with that. They would have had a more of a bigger issue with it, but what you get is, is he helps out. And now you have in between these two movies, the talking about what is going to happen and how are things, I mean, cause he did, he dropped everything to get out of there with them. And hold on a second. I'm having a, uh, I had something I wanted to say and I can't remember exactly what it was, but anyway, um, so Lando, um, People back then, including myself, people were okay with it because you knew something else, something bigger was going to happen down the line. And unfortunately, we had all that time to wait in between. But if let's talk about the actor that portrayed Lando Calrissi, and let's talk about Billy D. Williams and who he was as a person back in that time frame of you know American pop culture. If it wouldn't have been cool, smooth, cold forty-five, Billy D. Williams playing that role, and it would have been. Danny Glover, let's say, I think people would have, I don't think people would have accepted that as as well as they did because smooth talking, very cool. He probably has a plan with whatever, with what he did. There's a reason why he did it. He has a plan of the future and what's going to happen. So once Return of the Jedi came and everybody got to see that, I'm not saying it completely redeemed him in everybody's eyes, but it did prove that he was a friend to Han. He could have just disappeared and, and made a fortune somewhere.
1: No, and he joined the Rebellion. Not only did he show himself as a friend to Han, he decided to make a stand.
3: He couldn't really show his face anywhere else with the Empire around after that, though, either. So it wasn't like he was given much of a choice to survive.
1: I feel like he could have figured it out, though. I mean, I know the Empire is far-reaching, but if anybody could slip under their radar, I have faith that it is
2: him. I agree with Amy. I think he could have figured it out, but I don't think the Empire would have been as hell bent on trying to find him or do something to him because so Vader broke the deal, and then Lando helped them. But I don't think that they would have been like, "Oh, we gotta get Honda." I mean, uh, Honda. <laughs> we gotta get Lando. Do you understand? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's bigger fish to fry. Luke was the key there. Yeah. Uh, no, I just,
3: it's, it's interesting to me to try to put myself in the position of someone watching Empire for the first time and trying to make, trying to, to form an opinion about Lando just having that information, and it's hard.
2: At the moment, when you realized that Han Solo was betrayed like this from his quote-unquote friend, like, I that was like a, a punch to my stomach, like, because when they meet on the, the tarmac, where where they land, and they have that moment where it's you know you you have some nerve showing your face here, and you're like oh no, this is some bad's gonna happen, and then they start laughing and hugging like you know men do sometimes, even though they're scoundrels, like you kind of got that good feeling. Okay, yeah, th- this is gonna go okay, but yeah, it was punch in the gut when you you find out that he did what he did again for Cloud City and himself. I mean, he's not selfless. No. But it kind of by the end of that movie, though, by the end of Empire, you're you're kind of feeling OK. I was feeling OK with Lando. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it, at the
3: end of Empire, I think the thing that's important is that like it is it very much is a coming together. Yes. I mean, does it am I the only one who thinks it's weird he's wearing Han's clothes? Oh, no, that is that weird. Is weird. Um, but everyone is coming together. And Lando's obviously committed to all of the other heroes that we love so much that that. uh He's going to help set things right.
2: If he couldn't wear the cape by this point, I mean, that would have got caught up in the gears and the seats and the millennials.
3: Well, Falcon. I mean,
1: he wears, a very cape.
3: he wears a cape when he flies the Falcon in Jedi. Oh, well, does he? Yeah, he's got his, uh, the General Lando Calrissian, uh, Yeah, that blue cape. No, it's the, the black and beige ish one.
1: Oh, oh no. Right, right. No, it's gray.
3: It's gray. Uh, yeah. They put it's blue on the toy. Well, maybe it is blue. It's one of those
1: so blue gray color yeah. yeah.
2: on the toy, on the toy that I've sitting right here. It is that blue one.
3: Um, I guess he probably doesn't wear it while he's piloting the Falcon. He takes it no, off for that. Like, he's, all, he's all business. That makes me wonder, like Lando is going to have a cape in this movie, right? Like, or is mm-hmm. this part of his character arc where it's like, he puts on that cape for the first time.
2: That would be cool. Like that, that first moment that, that, ah, oh, moment, like, oh, he should have this. I would yeah. be seeing that. But uh, just real quick to get back to my point about Lando and the end of Empire Strikes Back and everything else. So for me, and this is just me not overanalyzing things to me, just, well, I guess being empathetic to people's needs and people's, you know, situations. If Leia's kind of okay with it and he's flying off with Chewie and Chewie's okay with it and he didn't rip off his arms, then I'm okay with it because, the, like you said, it was a coming together. It was a moment in the films that that needed to happen to get them to where they need to be by the end of Return of the Jedi.
3: As far as Return of the Jedi, though, I mean, like, I mean, like for me, a favorite, of mine, I favorite of mine, I think he sells probably one of moment moments in the entire saga, which is the the realization of the shields and the trap. Mm-hmm. Um which I think is is just a perfect moment on film. um, And uh, I'm just wondering, like, how you felt about Lando? Because, I, I don't know, like, there, he has a couple of really great moments. Like, think about how excited you were in Return of the Jedi, where he pulls his little face visor down just a little bit to show yeah. Leia, like, hey, I'm here, I got your back. Like,
1: that was cool. Yes. Yeah, I'd like that he not only you know, joined up with the Rebellion and helped out the battle of Endor, but that we saw that he felt moved enough or guilty enough or whatever it was to help get Han back from Jabba.
2: I think we felt that moment back in Empire Strikes Back when the uh, the hyperdrive doesn't work. And they were supposed to fix it and like that. But,
3: but Lando's such a scoundrel, he could
2: have been faking that too, right? Nah, not with that reaction. He's not that good of an actor. No,
1: I think he was genuinely surprised that that wasn't fixed. I think at some like I think he did like Lando being Lando really thought like all right I made this deal with Darth Vader so not great this was the best I could do everything is going to be fine it's going to it's going to all go exactly according to plan and then I just don't think it even occurred to him that Darth Vader or the empire would alter the deal. I guess that's the were. funny thing
3: about yeah, Han, really. Han and Lando that, that makes me so excited for the Han and Lando movie. And Bobby was saying this on Twitter, and I think it's true, and I don't know how, how you guys, but I've almost, as soon as they said Lando was in it, I've stopped thinking about it as the Han movie, but as the Han and Lando movie.
1: Me too. Um, yeah.
3: But neither of them are very good at planning their next move, and neither of them are really that good at actually playing chess. Um, like, if you think about Han, it's like, okay, we need somewhere friendly. Let's go to this guy I screwed, right? <laughs> like, that's a terrible move. And then Lando is like, okay, I think I can play with the Empire. There's no way they would change the plan. There's no way that not everything would happen exactly as I planned it. So when the hyperdrive doesn't work, yeah, he's surprised because he didn't anticipate that move. And so when you have a couple of con artists that aren't that great at playing the game, working together in a movie like Han and Lando, that's a comedy, like, well, it has to be a comedy because Hilarity is going to
2: ensue. Oh my God, yeah
3: this is going to be great because they're horrible at what they do.
2: Yeah. Oh, there's going to be so many things <laughs> that
1: go wrong. Nothing is going to go right. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes.
3: That excites me.
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
3: I'm with you on that. Um. So I don't know. I, I, I think that's one of the most exciting things is giving their characters an empire. Um. It's going to add shades of meaning to empire. And I, that actually makes me wonder. And, and I'm just going to throw this out there. Rogue One seems like it's designed to add meaning to A New Hope, obviously, right? Obviously. And a Han and Lando movie seems like it's going to add a lot of meaning to Empire. Mm -hmm. So does that mean when they eventually give us our third standalone, if it follows that pattern, does that mean it's going to be something that adds some meaning to Return of the Jedi?
1: That's a smart observation, Brian.
2: I mean, I would think by that point with maybe things getting cleared up with Luke and Kylo and... And everything, as far as the Jedi go, I think it would reflect on that.
3: Because they could give us, I mean, they could give us all kinds of movies that, that reflect, I mean, like, and maybe actually thinking well, about a Boba that... Fett movie could have had that impact on Return of the Jedi.
2: I know that this is sacrilege, but I'm not, I, I could care less
3: I either way
1: less
2: of... about the Boba <laughs> Fett movie.
3: I'm—I
1: Unless it's a Western, like a dirty, do- not dirty dozen. Fistful of um... dollars
3: or the good the bad Something and the
1: ugly like that,
2: like... Yeah, good bad and the yeah. ugly.
1: That has more than him. Like that's, that's not just about him too. Like that's about maybe a group I... of I've Bane
2: in that movie, then I'd be like, yeah.
3: Here's yes. here's the Boba Fett movie I'd actually want to see. I would actually like to see it being Daniel Logan about the age Daniel Logan is. And fighting, like if I were going to sit through an entire movie of Boba Fett, I would not want the whole just like silent dude in green armor. I would want Daniel Logan actually having a character arc coming into his own as Boba Fett and taking the armor and the ship back from Cad Bane, which is something I'm told. um, I've heard that we that was something we were going to get in in the Clone Wars series, and they haven't released those episodes. I know Daniel Logan's kind of gone on the record saying that those all got recorded. And the reason my guess is they haven't come out yet is because some of that will come out later. Um, that's a Boba Fett movie I would actually be able to get behind because it has those ties to the prequel era. It has those ties to the future. And it would be a super interesting story that I think people are actually interested in. But aside from that or the, the Western idea, I can't see Boba Fett carrying a movie.
2: Hey, listen, they, they might write a great script and and it might have to do with a lot of things in the, the original trilogy and even the you know even the prequels uh, that it might help, but at this moment well, I don't know enough to to make a good well, decision on it. Besides, I think to dig a up, I would rather see an Obi Wan do. One.
3: Do you two think that we'll get Boba Fett in the Young Han and Lando movie?
1: I hope yeah. not,
3: because that's something that's that's very much in the. And I'm not even sure where it
2: came. We might, from. Might though, because I mean, so Vader being in Rogue One. I think for some some fans that Boba Fett making an appearance in a Han movie would be on the same level as that.
3: What about Jabba?
2: Well, definitely. That would, I, I would because love that. Because
3: we know that that Boba Fett works for Jabba, at least by the time of A New Hope.
2: Yeah. Just real quick to get off the, the Boba Fett thing. So you started talking about how you could see it or what you'd like to see in a Boba Fett movie. I was going to ask you that question. I mean, as a storyteller, I was going to ask you that same movie, that same question about the han and and Lando movie, like I know we talk about some stuff we'd like to see, but where do you think that movie would start off at, and where do you think that movie would conclude
3: for for me i think I think that there's probably things we're going to get into this movie that uh we're probably going to see the creation of the relationship between han and chewie we're probably now that we know Lando's in it, we're probably going to see the Millennium Falcon changing hands um which I think is really exciting you know maybe maybe that's part of it maybe this is maybe maybe the beginning is lando losing the falcon to han or mm-hmm. maybe maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's the ending of the movie where han and it ends on that note where han's finally got uh, his luck looking up <laughs>
1: i would like that
3: so and and i think that character dynamic where han and lando are really bad at con artistry in planning but they're really good at that bluffing in practice. Well, I don't even know, like Hans not even really that good at bluffing. I mean, like we have a reactor leak here now. Give us a few minutes to lock it down. <laughs> like that's, that's a horrible bluff.
1: Yeah. And his defense, it might have something to do with the stress of the situation,
3: but isn't that when like the best con artists should... have the smoothest lines? That's why they're good. They're good.
1: So I think Lando would sell that in heartbeat.
3: He probably would actually. Yeah.
1: Can you guys remind me do we know roughly or even exactly how long before New Hope
3: about like what... 10 years so this is before the Lando that we saw in Rebels God um okay. So and that, that okay. puts anything up in in the air right because Lando on Rebels does not have the Millennium Falcon um Lando's obviously still working his way up in mining schemes and puffer pigs <laughs>
1: Um I like that he's just like the guy who's looking for the next get rich. Like he's selling Mary Kay products, he's doing pyramid schemes. Yeah. He's trying everything.
3: And so we know that that's kind of the state Lando's in and he's not horribly successful at it. I mean, he's successful enough in that he can help our heroes. Uh and I it makes me wonder too if Lando is set up on Lothal if Lothal might be in this movie. How long has he been set up at Lothal?
2: Oh. Um, I don't know.
1: I got the, wait, we've established my terrible memory many times. I thought that he was, wasn't established on Lothal until, no, they found him there. Never mind. Oh, sorry. My cat just called me.
2: But okay. did, did you really take Lothal for him through through that show that it was like a huge base of operations for him or just a place where he had some stuff and he would smuggle things around?
3: And that could be too. I mean, he obviously, he wasn't there that last time they needed his help. Yeah. He just hologrammed in and said, like, oh, my droid will do all of this for the right fee.
1: Yeah, I could see him having, like, multiple whole places like that around.
3: You'd probably the need them with the Empire operating as tightly as they were. I, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think we've seen a story yet right in that midpoint between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. The closest might be something like um the closest might be something like uh Lords of the Sith? Hmm. Right?
1: Oh right, yeah. I was just looking at that timeline actually the other day.
3: So I think it'll be interesting to see that, but I don't know, like what are, what do you what do to to get back to Lando though, what is it that that you want to see out of him? And and Amy, since you're not thrilled i mean what is it about his his characterization on rebels that you don't like or or characterize as a caricature that you don't want to see coming out of his portrayal in this movie
1: he was too smooth for me in rebels too too sure of himself and it was just portrayed in a way that it was over the top for me in a way that it wasn't in the films
2: i felt it was really over the top too like he was just you know inserted into that Spot And, you know, everybody knows Lando Calrissian, everybody's excited and, and oh, but it's just like, I, I think it takes a long time to be seasoned to, you know, to age into a character like Lando Calrissian was in Empire Strikes Back. And, and at this point of his life, I think it's, I'm sorry, hold on a second. At this point in his life, I think it's just a little too much.
1: Yeah. And part of me tried to work through, I'm like, well, maybe this is how he started. Like, maybe this is Lando 1.0 and he was kind of trying on this like super smooth behavior and then learned later to dial it back but that's my kind of explanation for the story when i think it was more that hey we have lando on the show people like lando let's turn it up to 11 could that
3: be also the way he presents his persona to these rebels to to try to make himself seem better or more important than he is
1: I think so. Like I can, I can find some reasoning like that. But like I said, I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to they got really excited about having Lando.
3: Well, and maybe Lawrence Kasdan won't have that. Well, I don't know. Maybe Miller and Lord will, but maybe I don't, I can't see Lawrence Kasdan like getting excited about like, yay, we've got Lando. Like that guy invented Lando.
1: Yeah. Like I I just want something a little more, a little more measured, I guess. I would love the heck out of awkward Lando. It's, it's so. early
2: in the morning, right? And so, my, neither none of our brains are working properly. But Billy D. Williams did voice Lando in that show, right? Yeah, and he's so he's
3: done yeah. the voice in Battlefront as well.
2: Yeah, so to me, like Star Wars aside, just by you know actor or people aside, like to get Billy D. Williams to do that voice for that for that cartoon, like would it be easy for? Bologna to say, okay, now when you're doing this role, I want you to be not as Lando as Lando. And um, it's just, a, you know, just a question that I, I would, I would have.
3: I wonder, I wonder how much of that characterization is just is is because that's just what they could get out of Billy Dee Williams.
2: Yeah, that that's kind of what I'm saying. That's a good point. Yeah. Like they said, okay, that's a good We're going to need this from you, and he gave them what he gave them. I'm Lando Calrissian. Like, this is what I have. Yeah. Huh. Huh,
1: that's a good point. I think it's a fair. It's
2: certainly possible. Um, but I do, I do agree with Amy. I mean, I, I liked seeing him on the show. I just, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a bit too much. And even then, when they say that they were looking, like in a later episode, when they said, um, "We're going to get help from someone," and then Kanan and Ezra, were like, no, not him. Like, uh, I was kind of hoping but, it was somebody I mean, else at that point.
3: He, he gave us some of the best moments on that show, like, like Hera. <laughs> Like putting Hera in the situation where she needed that very useful tray,
1: okay. Like, that's true.
3: Like and her just coming in and just like punching him in the groin, <laughs> like <laughs> Lando was a jerk and got everything he deserved out of Hera. Totally,
1: it was funny to see him like like confused by like oh like my charm is not working on this or person. Kanan
3: either. Like I loved I loved how Kanan was just not taken by him at all. He had such disdain for him.
1: I forgot
2: I kind of forgot about that. That's right. Like like, like no one likes him. Yeah, that Except, point with Ezra and and Kanan, they're like, "No, not him." And I was kind of feeling the same way. I'm like, "I got you, brothers."
1: you are like, "No, that would well, be." Well, you just not know betrayal
3: cause... is in his in his like DNA. Yeah. Well, it makes me wonder having Lando on Rebels though makes me wonder if we're leading up, we're gearing up to actually see what happens uh if they're going to give us the Battle of Tanab
1: now, well, tell us for those of us who have terrible memories because I thought that happened I mean it's a legends thing, but I had thought it happened later than rebels, but remind me
3: um so i i I don't know about the legends version of the the story, uh but in the Canon in return of the Jedi, Lando is uh Han asks him, like, why they got him to be a general in the assault on the second Death Star. And he's like, well, someone must have told him about my little maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. And that seems like one of those throwaway lines that rebels would have a really easy time fleshing out. Uh, There's a lot of battles. There's a lot of things going on. Um, I always confused it. I really loved the Lando books, and I always assumed that uh, they just miss... They they uh the the third book was called The Star Cave of Thonboka and I always thought like, man, it would have been cool if it was Tanab. because uh, that was a story I always wanted, but there's no I could look up really quickly what what that has said about it, but even even still, like what's been said about it could be uh could be thrown out very easily.
1: Oh yeah, that's That's the thing, like, it's Legends, it doesn't mean they need to keep any part of it.
3: And that's, um, his books are so fun, too. Like, if you've not read, I don't know if if either of of you have read, um, his, his books. Who Who? El Neil Smith, they were, like, they were part of that 80s, uh, they were part of that 80s, like, they came out at the same time. Uh, like the Han Solo books from Brian Daly were coming out and they're just so fun. It's like Lando a few years before the battle of Yavin. Um, and he has the Falcon still at this point, And it's him kind of going across the galaxy with this droid. Like he, he wins this really, re- he wins a droid in a card game and the droid happens to be on this planet where it's, it, it's very like Indiana Jones-ish where there's like these ancient artifacts that he thinks are going to make him rich that he goes there and tries to find, but he also gets kind of screwed by this, this sorcerer named Roker Gep- Gepta. Um, they're really just fun books. They're short reads. Uh,
1: they sound like, cause the Han Solo books in that area are some of my favorites. Yeah. They're,
3: they're very books. much in that, in that, uh, in that vein. So, Uh, The Battle of Tanab, according to legends, which I think reading this story actually bolsters my my theory here, uh, was an engagement during the year of the Battle of Yavin between the Norulak Freebooters, a pirate gang, and the Tanab defense fleet led by Lando Calrissian. While a minor engagement by galactic standards, it had a great effect on Calrissian's career, Uh, and his impromptu command of the Tanab fleet and utter defeat of the Norulak pirates earned him a heroic reputation. Um, He was a young merchant captain at that point in seasonal residence in the Tanab system and was working on his shipping things. Pirates attacked. He led the battle. Um, This stuff came out in... uh, it looks like some old insider shorts, and the, there's some insider My stuff, person. and the guides, to, essential guides to characters, and uh, yeah, the the old West End Games stuff is where this stuff came from. So if it's from the West End Games stuff, we know that that's
1: even more likelihood, and which and
3: if you've got pirates i mean maybe maybe hondo's involved maybe that's how P- hondo meets his end it, is it the battle of tanab
1: uh, oh, bitch, him. i know i was just thinking about rebels characters and who might die yesterday i'm like no but hondo
3: well that's that's oh man that's that's a different much more difficult conversation yeah
1: Yes, I brought that down. But
3: no, I would recommend those books. If you like the Han Solo books, they're very much in that same vein. Um, and I think they're funny. Like, they are some of the funniest of the Legends books. The The author was really to br- really able to bring Lando's, uh, like, uh, humor out, but in a really smart way. Like, I, there's lines in the second book that I swear I'll never forget. Like, he gets picked up by these crooked cops... And they, they show up, they beat him up, and they put him before a judge. And the judge is like, so you've been uh, charged with assaulting an officer. And he's like, if by assaulting an officer you mean striking him in the fist with my gut, then yes. Uh, which is just really, like, Lando's. I don't know. They're really fun. And I now that we're talking about them, I think I want to reread them again and probably will do so. I don't know. Did they ever do audio versions of them, too? I don't think so
1: know but that could i mean that has potential to be fun depending on who recorded yeah. them did they do audio versions of the han solo I don't books
3: i think they did i don't know why they would back then i think the no, han true. solo or i don't know just the audiobook uh thing is more
1: that's kind of in the past what, 10, yeah well years? i mean it
3: was always around it's just
1: right i just think the common you know the more accessibility to mobile devices and more people listen. Yeah. I mean, it's easier than CDs. It
3: doesn't look like it. Um, man, they've got the paperbacks. Like, they're all a cent each on on Amazon, the original paperbacks. I think I'm going to buy those right now while we're recording. <laughs> Good call. Um. So, I don't know. Is there anything else, like, Lando, you, you, you all want to talk about? I, I love the character, his flaws and all. And I love his puffer pig,
1: but I want that in the Solo. no, that puffer pig isn't around, but I think the puffer pig's great <laughs> he he's the kind of character who needs like he just like if he had a parrot sitting on his shoulder i wouldn't I wouldn't blink an eye, <laughs> like of course, Lando has a parrot or a more exotic Star Wars version of a parrot. yeah I hope we get to see him play cards it, then, oh yeah, I, I want to see bit.
2: the Millennium Falcon being lost.
1: And I want to see all the merchandise that will be with, like all the decks of Sabak we will be able to buy in stores with a complete set of rules.
3: It was it was so. uh, Leland was talking about how uh, Leland Chi on Twitter was talking about how like no one actually wants to play Sabak because it's so like convoluted and, and not fun.
1: I know. And I'm not thinking like I guess somebody there did have to sit down and figure out the rules at some yeah. point, huh?
3: Well, and it was something. Um, yeah. I I can't it's interesting to see how it's come about. I mean they'd have to for that episode that Lando appeared in, right? With oh, right. the the idiots array and and that sort of thing. That's right. And uh yeah, they they'd have to and it probably wouldn't be fun, but I guess that's what makes it so um that's what makes it so interesting for Han, right? And Lando is that it's so complicated.
1: And they're both terrible strategists. Exactly. <laughs> how-
3: Which is why their ship keeps changing hands. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm
1: looking forward to it. I'm I'm really excited about Donald Glover. I'm really excited to see how Landa will be at that, at that age.
3: It's going
2: to be fun. Brian, are you going to try to watch a couple episodes of Community and and let us know what you think about? How yeah i can try
3: i mean i don't have any i don't have any specific opposition to community dan Harmon made it right i really like his stuff i think he's yeah. an excellent crafter of comedy so yeah i'll check it out let me look huh? up it's a funny show i highly
1: recommend yeah and the in the first season like because it's it's not you don't necessarily you watch the first one so you get what's happening but a few episodes in is the halloween one yeah <laughs> Tom tomo glover his character plays Batman, like dresses up as Batman. <laughs> yeah. In <laughs> the end credits, oh my gosh, that was when I was sold on Community, like five thousand percent. Yeah,
2: I also like the um the episode where they have the uh, paintball battle in the college. He's really yes. good in that episode too. So yeah, Brian, let us know what you think. I, I I'm I have to say, if I didn't know him as an actor and the things that he's done, I might be worried, like I'm worried about. Other people playing roles. But for, for him, I, I, I think he could pull it off. I'm excited. I'm excited to see. Because yes. like we said, it's it's not just a Han Solo movie now. It's Han and Lando.
1: And he has such range. Well, I was
3: going to say, that was my question. Do you do you think he has the range to play the guilt that Lando sort of slowly adds to his character? Oh,
2: yeah. I, I think that this guy, Brian, I think that he could pull off. His chops, his talents are so large. I think he can pull off almost anything.
3: Because I think that's one of my favorite things about Billy D. Williams' performance of Lando is you can see the weight of all of this pressing down on him. Um, yeah. There's yeah. a few shots specifically where you can tell, like, this is torture for him. And that I can't imagine that would be very fun to come to work and play like... Uh, you know, I, I imagine Harrison Ford probably had an easy time with the the carbon freezing chamber, but Billy D. Williams probably had a harder job there, right? Yeah. Because, A, he's just reacting, and he has to just carry that weight of the guilt of what he's done with him.
2: Also, the him being, dealing with the upsetness that they didn't follow through on their deal. Like, everything, everything that happened is on his shoulders. Yeah, no, and, and, and you can see to, He has to talk to Leia. He has to talk to Chewie. He's going to have to have, you know, prove himself and fix things and do what he can, and that's... Can any of us deal with something like that?
3: I don't know. You could see it on his face, Billy D. Yeah. Williams's face, and I think it's just—it's an under. Nobody talks about Billy D. Williams in that way. Everybody wants to talk about the smoothness, um, which I think is—I think maybe that kind of plays into Amy, like what you were saying about how you didn't necessarily like his portrayal on, on Rebels, because it's—it's it's all the smooth Lando and none of the challenged, difficult Lando.
1: There's no. Yeah, there's no nuance. And
3: Billy D Williams actually like he brought it in a way that that I don't think people talk enough about.
2: Yeah. I hate to bring up the Martian again, but if you take his his character in that movie, so he's super intelligent, uh kind of kind of spacey because he's so smart but then trying to figure things out. He takes a very serious approach to part of that movie, but he also has a lot of humor to him, a lot of comedy when they're in the room together and they're talking about his plan. Like he was very funny. He didn't know the name of the guy from NASA. He didn't know it was the leader of NASA. He didn't know this. He didn't know that. And he just had a lot of a way about a way about him. Kind of the same way that Lando does. He has a way about him. So I don't know if it would be such a huge stretch for him to play that role. I just don't. Yeah. Okay. Does that makes sense, Amy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have nothing but positive things to say about Don Glover.
2: And, and there's been times where we've Done episodes of this show when they've announced actors and who they're going to play. Honestly, I think this is one of the easiest ones I could get behind. Like, there really was no second thought when when JJ Abrams was uh, uh, named as a director for The Force Awakens. There was there was a lot of conflict in me in both ways. I love Abrams' movies. I love the things he does. There's other things he does that I didn't like so much. I was worried about my Star Wars. You know, being selfish, it's my Star Wars and. You know other actors that were announced to play in these roles. I, I he's the the one that I haven't really had. I've tried to think. Well, is there am I if I am I being too like you said earlier in the show, Brian? Is it is it too easy to go there with him? And I, I just it feels good. And that sounds probably so lame, but it just feels good to me.
1: Uh, feels I right. will take your
3: words for
2: it. I'm excited. I like I said, Boba Fett movie. I'll watch it. I won't say I won't. I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it.
3: Of course, we'll watch it.
2: Yeah. Han Solo movie. Um, I was excited to see a Han Solo movie after seeing, you know, after losing Han Solo. It would be nice to have that character back in our lives. Wasn't absolutely crazy about it. I am just like after seeing the most recent um, Rogue One trailer, I'm on board now. This announcement actually makes me on board with that movie. And I still would love to see an Obi Wan movie. But. This uh, him playing Lando, Lando being in the movie, the possibilities of what we're going to see. It just makes me feel good. Like, like you said, I mean, it just feels right.
1: Yes. It's, it's gives me, I was, eh, I was initially hesitant about the Han Solo spinoff, but the more like, I love the guy, I really like the guy they have cast as Han Solo from the one single role I've seen him in, but still. Did you see him in Hail
3: Caesar? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's so good in that movie. God, he's yeah.
1: so good. So this just gives me a little more confidence.
3: That's like a step further. Like imagine Han and Lando at this stage of their lives, not knowing how to plan and screwing something up together, but imagine that it's Hobie Doyle from Hail Season <laughs> and like Donald Glover and that's just the recipe for the most charming movie ever made. Like
1: And I like Lord Miller, so Yeah. I I I feel good about it.
3: Yeah. No, I I was similarly hesitant about this movie where it was like, where are they going to take us with Han Solo? That's going to be, that's going to matter. But this, the more it shapes up to be like a balls out comedy, like the more in I am.
2: Yeah. So, so, so let's say this, this is what I'd like to know Uh, to to everyone listening to the show. Um, of course we'd love to see your comments about what we're talking about today on the Facebook group and the Facebook page and, and, but send in your emails too. send in emails or voicemails because, um, I'm really interested to see what, what everybody else thinks and, and what theories they may have or their hopes or their dreams about the Han Solo movie or, and, and what we're going to do on our next show. I've been saying it for how many weeks now, Brian, about listener email. We do have a plan for our next show where we are going to be discussing a lot of these great emails that have come in. And, um, so if you want to get your thoughts in on this show and, and that let's get your emails in on that this week too. So we can include those in our next show, right? Yeah yeah that's,
3: that works for me. I'll
2: give all the contact information when we wrap up the show uh today, but holocronofulst dot com that's the email address
3: well, and for the next phase of the show, um I did an interview with Ian Dosher, who wrote yeah. Shakespeare Star Wars, all six of them to date, and uh we had a really interesting conversation and like I said, if you're a listener who happens to be anywhere within driving distance of Salt Lake City, uh I'll be interviewing him at the Salt Lake City Public Library. Uh, on Saturday, are you going to have uh, audio so, or
2: audio and video of that?
3: Uh, audio and video, so Excellent. we'll be so able so to,
1: Saturday the twenty ninth.
3: Yeah, so okay. there we'll be able to run the audio of that on the, as a special release for the show. But uh, I'll be able to post the video on the Facebook as well.
2: Yeah, that's great. Nice. I, look, I wish I lived closer, Brian. I would definitely go.
3: Well, I will get you there in video.
2: <sighs> You're such a good guy. Excellent. You have never betrayed me, Brian. And I always have appreciated that.
3: Well, unless Darth Vader shows up and insists that I do, I can't see a situation where I would. And I'd never betray you either, Amy. Uh, Well,
1: I I would hope not. Well what
3: would I how would Would I Would you make a deal with
1: Vader? What would your what would your deal
2: be, Brian? How would you negotiate with the Sith Lord?
3: He would probably Jedi mind trick me into doing whatever he wanted, and then that way I could just deny all culpability and having made a bad deal.
2: Would it be like the ultimate fanboy moment where you just couldn't even talk to him because you're just so... I'd be terrified. Yeah?
1: I'd be scared. I was scared meeting him at Disneyland. I put my arm around him. I said, we're good
2: friends. You don't know it yet. But we are. You're a good guy in the end, Mr. Vader. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Mr. Vader, Jeff. Jeff Vader.
3: Let's go have some pasta in the canteen. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) right.
2: just got to reach out to people, Brian. Got to make a connection. So we're going to listen to that. We're going to add to add your interview with him now and we'll come back and we'll wrap up the show and then we will get out of here. How's that sound?
3: Like a plan, like a better plan than Han and Lando are capable of.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, let's listen to that (laughs) right now.
3: Uh, The first thing I like asking people uh, is what their what their first exposure to Star Wars was. I think that's a bit of a, a cultural flashpoint.
0: I mean, for me, it was I almost before I have memories. I, I do remember seeing Return of the Jedi in the theater in 1983 when I was six. Um, but I, you know, and I think I had probably seen the other Star Wars movies before then. But that's the one point that I can say for sure uh, that I was introduced to Star Wars. And, you know, I had the action figures growing up and we had the movies on VHS. And so it was always just sort of part of the the fabric of my youth.
3: Well, and... I mean, Shakespeare's another one of those things where people discover it at a certain time in their lives, and either it takes over uh, the way Star Wars does, or or it doesn't, and they just think of it as some grueling assignments they had in, in freshman English or something. Um, and I really love Shakespeare. I really grabbed onto it. Um, and I'm wondering what how that came about for you.
0: And it was indeed freshman English uh, for me my high, in high school uh, when... I, I had always, I'd done theater a lot. And so here we were reading a play in English class and I just loved Shakespeare's characters. We read Othello that year and I fell in love with uh, Iago strangely, cause I love a good villain. Um, and uh, the, the meter all made sense to me when, when we learned about the different sort of poetic feed and that sort of thing, you know, iambic pentameter just made intuitive sense to me. I don't know if it was you know, a lifetime of having grown up with Dr. Seuss uh, that that helped with that, but whatever it was, I, I just really took to Shakespeare quickly, and then that continued through high school. And and when I was in high school, that was when Kenneth Branagh uh, came out with Much Ado About Nothing, and then Hamlet, and so it was a great time to be a young person getting interested in Shakespeare.
3: Um, and I'm wondering about maybe some of the, um, I mean, you're not the the first person to blend Shakespeare and uh star wars you are in this way but i'm wondering about like um in like 1999 how how like that uh that george lucas in love and shakespeare in love worked on you like because that was a really interesting time to be in star wars or if that even registered on your radar at all
0: i mean i i definitely had seen that and i don't think that um as I think back on sort of how I got this idea you know it, I don't think about that piece in in particular I did love it i mean it's it's a really fun uh short film um uh but it it the the Shakespeare connection in it is sort of tangential it, it's it's just that it you know sort of follows yeah. the the same. Rough story as Shakespeare in love, and some of the some of the same things that happened where he's he's you know encountering these other characters in his life that are giving him ideas for how to write you know some of the the screenplay and that kind of thing uh but uh didn't have as much to do with shakespeare but i I really enjoyed that that
3: film um and and I mean about the genesis of this idea like where where did that come from i mean it's not I don't think it's something just people would be like, yeah, why don't, why don't we do this?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was about four and a half years ago. I, three things happened right around the same time. I, uh, I went to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival with my family um, and read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, uh, which is one of these first popular mashup books, uh, and also re-watched the Star Wars trilogy with some good friends of mine. Um, and so uh, all three of those things happened around the same time, and I was, at, I was actually at the Shakespeare Festival um when i had this idea i you know i was i think i was on a morning jog and and you know just thought oh it'd be really fun to take star wars and rewrite it as though it were a play by shakespeare and you know immediately i started thinking about you know would it work how would it work you know the length is about right um you know and it would be fun to start doing things like soliloquies and asides to the audience and and so I, I I had the idea and, and I looked up Quirk Books online because I knew that they had done Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and some of these other mashups. Um, and I wrote to the editor and said, hey, I'm, you know, random person you've never heard of before. I have this idea. What do you think? And he wrote me back uh, and said, well, it's an interesting idea. And if you actually write something, let me know and I'll take a look at it. And so I did. I, I spent the next few weeks putting together the first act and sent that to him and he, he called me that morning and said, okay, I really want to do this. Um, but we, you know, the next step is getting licensing from Lucasfilm, uh, and Quirkbooks had done a book with Lucasfilm a few years earlier. And so he contacted his, uh, the person he knew there and, uh, and they reviewed it and they, they actually in their wisdom wanted to, you know, wanted me to sort of go further in the direction of the, of the concept. You know, I I had played it kind of safe because, uh, well, because, you know, I didn't want to mess with Lucasfilm's property too much, frankly. Um, But they said, you know, if if we're going to do this, we want to see if he can really, you know, go all the way with it. And so I revised the first couple of scenes and that's when I decided to have R2-D2 start speaking in asides in English uh, to the audience and, stormtroopers talking about getting drinks with at with Darth Vader at Mos Eisley and things like that and so sent back those revisions to them and they said okay we're we're ready to to do a deal for licensing and so they worked that out with quirk books and and we were on our way so it's I always tell people who you know want to be want to become authors that they should not take my experience for how it's supposed to go because it's it normally does not go this way
3: at all um one thing I'm curious about, like, as you're. It, how do you recommend to people? Because I guess, let me try to figure out how to phrase this. It's very dense in Shakespeare. So I, if you know Star Wars sort of intuitively, the way I think the culture does, there's a lot of, like, nods to a lot of different shakespeare plays in here and i'm i guarantee there's some i'm missing but like just thinking about i reread star wars and empire uh just just in preparation for this and and i noticed like right off the bat the opening of star wars is very much richard the third you've got like a saint crispin's day speech sort of situation in there you've got um you know, moments from all these different things you've, uh, in empire, it feels like there's very much taming of the shrew. Um, you know, like, how do you, how do you, what, what, what sort of Shakespeare plays? Like, do you have a list of plays that you can tell fans of star Wars? If you liked this, uh, you're going to like it a lot more. If you check these out.
0: I mean, not really. It's uh, the, the Shakespearean references, I mean hopefully the books even if you don't know anything about Shakespeare hopefully the books still work the the references aren't um you're not required to get them uh, and actually this is a I mean this is something speaking of Shakespeare in love right that you could you could uh, yeah. say very similarly about right it, it, if you didn't know anything about Shakespeare you could still see Shakespeare in love and it it's a romantic comedy basically right
3: I um, I guess th- it just makes it 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 feels so much like well, I. The more I learn about Shakespeare and read these, the more credit I have to give you is what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> well, and and so hopefully for people who do know Shakespeare, there's an extra level of of you know fun that they get out of these because because they are seeing these references and they are hopefully seeing some of the literary devices that I'm using that Shakespeare used and and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, you don't have to to know Shakespeare, and and I mean, I guess. I guess if I were saying, you know, were there any plays you should go read, I mean, the two that I draw from the most are Hamlet and Much Ado About Nothing. And that's because those are the two that I probably know best. Um, and that's Much Ado certainly is thanks to the Kenneth Branagh movie. Um, and and Hamlet, just because it's the one that I've probably read most often, maybe seen performed most often. Um, so, you know, so those are the plays that I probably quote from uh, most regularly. Uh, but I do try to to you know pull references from just about every play. I don't think I could quite claim every play, but uh uh I, I certainly have tried.
3: What's what do you think's the play um what do you think the play that that uh maybe the least amount of people have read or are familiar with that you were able to draw on for this?
0: No, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know what the cultural fluency is like with something like Henry V. Um, I mean, Kenneth Branagh did the movie, right? But but I don't, I think in general, the histories are not as well known. Um, and so, and Henry V is, is one, especially when I was writing the first book, where I did have the sense of like, what's happening here is exactly what, you know, where the rebels are scared of this fight with the empire. I mean, it's exactly what's happening before the battle of Agincourt, which is why I do have that St. Crispin's Day speech, you know, that's, that's there. Uh, And Luke Skywalker really is almost in some ways like a, you know, a young Henry V, uh, this, this young leader who uh, people aren't really sure if they can, if they can follow him and trust him. And he earns people's trust and he leads this great force. And so that's, I mean, that at least would be one that I'd, I'd have, have in mind if people uh, wanted to explore something that, that they may not be as familiar with as something like Hamlet or Romeo and Juliet or something like that.
3: Well, I'm, I'm curious too about, um, the, just the, the influence of Shakespeare on storytelling in general, as it, um, I mean, just for a little bit of context, um, I write, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with, and don't expect you to be, um, but for starwars.com, I write a column about the cinema behind Star Wars. And so it's all the movies that sort of influence Star Wars. And so many of those are Kurosawa films that are sort of Japanese samurai retellings of Shakespeare. And I'm wondering, like, um, you know, I you can tell that George Lucas was studying the samurai movies rather than the Shakespeare, but that the Shakespeare comes through. And I'm wondering as someone who, as is into Shakespeare and, and, and an expert in it as you are, how naturally that Shakespeare, those Shakespearean thing, themes sort of come through just watching Star Wars on its surface.
0: I think – well, and I think a lot of them do, and I think that's par- partially why in the beginning I thought this project could work. You know, that I mean – so many of the themes that we deal with that we see in Shakespeare also are popping up in star Wars and also are popping up all over stories around the world, you know, uh, uh which is why I think also Joseph Campbell is a, a nice thread that, that goes from Shakespeare to, to star Wars. And so, um, and, and so things like, um, you know, these complex father son relationships, um, yeah. young people having the, you know, Going on this journey and trying to discover their destinies and and that sort of thing. Uh, certainly, once you get into empire, something like a uh, a romance plot, uh, especially between you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, taming of the shrew is a good example. Uh, Benedict and Benedict and Beatrice from Much Ado, you know, fit Han and Leia fairly well, also. And so, um, no, I, just, I didn't mean to uh, imply
3: that Leia was a shrew. I
0: no, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and so there there are so many. Things, I think, that that look so similar, right? And so that's why...
3: Uh, ghosts coming to yeah, right. visit the main characters? Yeah, absolutely. And,
0: uh, you know... Uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, people succeeding against, against all odds. Really, you know, villains who are... Uh, who appear to be villainous for no other reason than just... They're evil, right? I mean, like, the, just that they're choosing to do that? I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it just so much of it feels similar.
3: Um, as you were going through, I mean, you've done all six of these, um, or you've done the the six movies in the classic Skywalker saga. Was there anything that you feel like you learned about uh, Anakin Skywalker or Darth Vader as a person approaching the stories in this manner?
0: Well, when I went to, when I wrote the prequels, I, I definitely had to do more. Um, uh, studies probably not quite the right word. Uh, it's putting it a little too strongly, but I didn't know the prequels as well. I, you know, I'd certainly seen them a few times, uh, but didn't know them nearly as well as I knew the original trilogy. Uh, and and grew to have a, a new respect for them because there really is this lovely arc of the character of Anakin Skywalker in those six movies. As as flawed as the prequels may be, you know, they um, they still present this story of of Anakin who. Once you see the things that are happening to him, you start to understand why he, you know, might be the sort of person who could be tempted by the dark side and, and that sort of thing. And, um, and, and his is such a classical tragedy, uh, in, you know, I mean, just sort of check off all the boxes of, of what takes a what, what a tragic hero should be. And, and he's basically it. So, um, so it was it was really fun to, to get into his character more and, and to be able to, especially once I was writing Revenge of the Sith, you know, to get to play around with what's going on in his mind as he transitions to the dark side.
3: Was that, I mean, did you bring a lot of Macbeth into that? I know Revenge of the Sith has so much that it draws from Kurosawa's Throne of Blood, which was in itself sort of a retelling of Macbeth. Was there a lot of that? Uh, kind of going through your mind as you 're working on Revenge of the Sith or or did you kind of come at it from a different angle in your mind
0: i don 't know if I explicitly had Macbeth in my in my mind but although I mean when you when you say that right I, immediately this is one of those moments where those parallels come up so easily because because uh, you have palpatine sort of whispering in Anakin 's ear in a very similar way that lady Macbeth is is sort of in, encouraging Macbeth into, uh, his, uh, everything that he, that he does. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I would say most of the time when I was in any of the six of them that I've written so far, um, it's not so much that I necessarily had specific Shakespearean plots in mind, uh, for the, for the whole of a book. Um, but there were certainly moments where I said, okay, this is very much what's going on in, in Macbeth or in Hamlet or w- whatever.
3: Um, So as you're looking back at these, and I mean, obviously you're probably much better at doing this now than you did, f- than you were when you started the first one. Would you go back and tinker with them to make, I don't know, special editions, if you will.
0: <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because uh Yes, I absolutely would. Uh I mean the and especially the first book. Um it, you know what I've learned about about iambic pentameter is that the more you the more time you spend writing it, the e- easier it becomes. The easier it becomes to write, the easier it becomes to um recognize when you just hear it spoken to so I'll, you know I'll be watching TV with my family and somebody will happen to say something that's in iambic pentameter and I'll say I'll say, hey, everybody, that was Iambic Pentameter, and my family is used to rolling their eyes at me and, and continuing on with their days. Uh, but the, the, when I look back at the first book, I do think like, oh, okay, here's a place where I was sort of stretching to try to make that, that line work. And yeah, I'd love to go back and, and massage it a little bit more. I don't, I don't believe there will ever be a special edition uh, version of, uh, of that book, but uh, yeah, I'd love to go back and tinker with it.
3: Well and in in the end of um Empire Strikes Back though you you talk uh you you write a little bit about um the sort of the feedback you got from the first one and said people didn't like the devices I was using and and I'm wondering uh have you been able to sort of uh filter that that uh filter that a little bit more
0: yeah I, and that, and that I think is I mean you're you're right that's a, something that I feel like I adjusted after writing the first one it was sort of overusing the chorus um, character to describe what's going on um, on the stage I mean I I had sort of it with the first book was really happy to to sort of remember again Henry v you know and the way the chorus talks about what's the action that you're not able to see on stage um, but even in Henry V you know the chorus does not come in nearly as often as as I have the chorus come in in my first book which was which was really too much i mean it was too much to to really be you know like shakespeare and so um so i did tone that down in in other books and yeah i mean if i if i were to go back and rewrite the first book that would definitely be something i would i would fix i would also go back and uh I mean, one of the things that I always felt a little bad about and, and, you know, basically with, in most cases, once I set a precedent, I stick with the precedent. Um, but one of the things I always felt a little bad about was that I felt like Chewbacca sort of got short shrift. Um, I already had one character who spoke in what we would sort of describe as a foreign language, which is R2D2 speaking with his beeps and squeaks and then turning to the audience and speaking in English. So I didn't feel like I could repeat that with Chewbacca and so he just sort of ends up with these these grunts and growls, and that's that's the sort of thing that it'd be fun to go back and and fix also
3: or you know it could be really jarring in a good way if you have him do that at the end of the force awakens <laughs>
0: right right well and <laughs> uh and uh, you know i I do hope that force awaken happens. awakens happens, and I uh do have some ideas about what I would do with Chewbacca if it does could- yeah.
3: Let me ask this um, about Force Awakens. This will be my last question. We'll talk about the event and then I'll I'll get you on your way. Um, would you prefer tackling something like a new trilogy all at once so you can see the overall sweep of the machinations so that you can include some of that foreshadowing? Or would you want to do it one at a time and sort of adjust to that reality as, as each subsequent movie comes out?
0: I mean, that's a great, that's a good question. And one of the, I mean, certainly the benefit of uh, writing the first six books, you know, after they're, they've all been out, they've all been out for, you know, more than a decade, just about by the time I had written them. Uh, And, and so, and of course, the benefit of that is you can uh, hint at plot points that we didn't know when the movies came out, but but of course we know now because we've seen all the other all the other movies, right? So and and so it, it's interesting. I think it would it would certainly result in different books um if you waited until let's say seven, eight, and nine were, were all out to write to write them, uh versus if you do them one at a time. I think the fun of doing them one at a time is that you can you can play around with the things that people don't know about and i mean one thing that i think about in particular is is ray and sort of where she comes from and her parentage right if you are writing that book so that it's going to come out before episode 8 does uh you know then you get to play around with with that mystery um and and people will understand why you're playing around with it which also uh, then i mean the downside of that is that assuming that that mystery does get explained at some point, um, you know, that then the book becomes a little bit uh, a- out of date at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's, there are ups and downs, I think, to doing it both ways.
3: Um, so actually, I lied. I've got one more question, and then we'll talk right. about the event. Um, do you think that if uh, Star Wars existed sort of as a fairy tale, uh, as part of the col- cultural currency of the Elizabethan era, do you think this is the sort of thing shakespeare would have tackled
0: absolutely Uh, i mean uh, he was writing the popular entertainment of his time and and i think star wars is you know yeah Had it i mean as you said had it been a fairy tale or that sort of thing something that existed as a story back then i definitely think it would be the sort of thing that he would have have tackled. And I think potentially, you know, if we could, you know, play the game of were he alive today, right? He might be the sort of person who'd be writing things like star
3: Wars. Um, so you're going to be, uh, in, in my neck of the woods, uh, very soon. So just this weekend, um, on October 29th, Mm -hmm. uh, from four to 6 PM, you're going to be at the Salt Lake city public library, the downtown location. Um, and you're going to be talking about star Wars. They've got, uh, I don't know, how much they've told you about this, but they've got a they've got a first folio on display there, uh, as part of the the festivities, which is really cool. Yeah, um, I'm sure you've seen plenty of first folios in your day, being as as nerdy into Shakespeare as you are.
0: <laughs> I actually haven't, so this will be this will be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's fun that fun that they're doing it. Fun that they're having me come there while
3: it's there and then you and i during that time will be having a conversation in the main auditorium to to talk pretty much just like this but for an hour on stage uh
0: yeah that sounds great
3: and uh so if anybody wants to come i believe it's all free so come see uh see the first folio and and uh you'll be signing books and i believe they'll have copies for sale on hand if if you don't have a copy of Any of the Shakespeare Star Wars books?
0: Yep, I think they will.
3: Um, uh, Thank you very much for taking the time to kind of talk to me now, and I'm very excited to meet you and see you next week. Yeah, thank
0: you. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Brian. I'll see you on Saturday.
3: Yeah, definitely. It's not often that that my limited nerdery, especially compared to yours about Shakespeare, applies to my more massive nerdery for Star Wars. And so... (laughs) I appreciate the conversation. All right. Thanks. Thanks. So that was that uh, that was that was my brief time with Ian Dosher. And uh, like I said, we'd like to see you if you can make it. If not, we'll, we'll be there on the spot. We are your podcast to keep you in the loop with all the Star Wars goings on across the country.
2: Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with us this week. And I look forward to, to this special release next week. Um, Amy, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you and read your writings and such?
1: Yes, you can find me online at Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore geek. And you will learn things. Like I was just thinking about tweeting. When you share this episode on Twitter, I will let everybody know that I recorded this episode with my cat sleeping in my lap. My cat has a cone on her oh. head. She went to the litter box at the beginning of the episode and and she has some some poop on her nice. cone. And she's been sitting in my lap the whole <laughs> time and I just realized it so Oh no. Now you know, yeah, now you know Full of listeners. Yeah, but
2: it's it's Ahsoka, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. She loves so you so good. much,
2: she just wanted to lay in your lap while you talked about the she Star just, Wars.
1: I know. She just wanted to cuddle and be close. But anyway, so you learn all kinds of things like that if you follow me on social media. And uh, I write for StarWars.com and Nerds.com. There's a new Star Wars Insider coming out. I have a couple interviews in, and I do another Star Wars podcast called Lattes with Leia, but that you should check out definitely. If you, in, all, in all your free time.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's a great show. Brian, what about you?
3: Um, you can follow me on social media at Swankmotron, um, where lately I've just been pontificating about really random Star Wars issues and the election. So if you can handle those two things, uh, we'll be great friends on social media. <laughs> if you um, can handle
2: my belief I mean, structure. Then we'll be great friends. It's not poop, Brian. Yeah, okay. no.
3: There's no scatological humor on what or Twitter whatsoever. Um,
2: um. Yeah, but the more I get to know about Amy, the better I feel. So yeah.
3: <laughs> um. So you can find my writing at bryanyoungfiction.com. You can support my short story writing at patreon.com forward slash swankmatron. You can find my columns every Monday on starwars.com. dot com, and. Uh, uh, I'm writing a lot more for How Stuff Works again, so excellent. Look for my stuff there. I just did a really interesting piece about Wonder Woman.
2: Cool, nice. And you said before, Authentic History too, right?
3: Oh, I did not. So I'm also doing this other podcast that you should all check out called Fauthentic History. Uh, we just finished up our two-parter on the Battle of Naboo, and actually, as you're listening to this, uh, we've got a Star Trek episode coming out, oh, and uh, some more Star Wars. The next Star Wars episode is going to be about the Bounty Hunters Guild, so.
2: Cool. Let Stay me ask you tuned. this: It's
3: all cool stuff, yeah. Because of
2: that two-parter on the Battle of Naboo, did you locate the neighbors? I did not. <laughs> ah, all right. There is
3: no record of them after <laughs> the funeral of Padme, and uh, we're gonna have to find them somewhere. Where are they, Mike?
2: I I've, listen. They're down at Bob's Steak Shack having some fries. Amy,
3: Mike doesn't know what he's talking about. Where are they?
1: They're doing laundry. Oh man! At the the folded fluff on the corner.
3: They're doing laundry at the lake at Naboo.
2: Yes. <laughs> what if they opened the up their own dry perfect. cleaning service on the outer rim? Did you look there? I will. Well, we better. All right, why just... are you guys making fun?
3: Of, why are you guys making fun of me about them the Nabaris now? Like, where did this come from?
2: You just said about a two part on Naboo, and I thought maybe there was some information that I should. I should gleam from that show. That's all I was asking. Okay. I'm sure sure it's fantastic. I was just trying to get a spoiler for everybody. That's all I was trying to do. I was trying to do hard-hitting reporting, Brian. (laughs) 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 If you want to find me on one, social media everywhere is the mic. It's easy to find me. If you want to leave, uh, like I said, if you want to leave a voicemail for the next show that we're doing on uh, responding to listener emails and such, you can go to the website full and use our speak pipe there. There were a couple that came in through the last couple of weeks from speak pipe. Also, the Twitter address is for everybody at full of Sith, at the mic, at swank, at Amy underscore geek. Uh, facebook.com slash full Sith is our page where you can go and like us or you can also go to, if you haven't already, facebook.com slash groups slash full of Sith. Um, we have the links in the show notes on the website, on the the Facebook to go there and join in the conversations that we have with um, other listeners and about things that come up during the week or just anything anybody posts on. We have a lot of good conversations there. And then Holocron at fullofsith.com. Let me spell that for people who don't know how to spell Holocron because um, people say, I emailed you like 10 times, but I spelled it H-O-L-I. No, it's H-O-L-O-C-R-O-N. At fullasith.com. Holocron at fullasith.com. And um, I'm really happy uh, to be able to sit down this morning and talk to you guys. I missed you guys last week. It was a great show. Um, at some point, I would like to discuss uh, the Rogue One trailer with you a little bit because I'm listening to the show and I'm like talking to my computer while you guys are talking. And um, it's like, they don't hear me. Well, it's because I'm listening to the show, not being on the show. But uh, Bobby, I want to thank Bobby for putting everything together and producing the show last week and the recording and doing all that. Great stuff. He he always does a great job, and I missed talking to Bobby last week. Any uh, final thoughts, anybody?
3: When we talk about when we when we are answering emails next week, we have to talk about this last episode of Rebels.
1: Thank, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because um, it made
3: me feel it made me feel things.
2: I'll tell you what. As the episode started, I wasn't like I was unsure, but I didn't know what I'd think. But by the end of that episode, very, very happy, healthy thoughts in my heart and mind.
3: Save it for next week, Mike.
2: I'm going to. I'm just saying there's a lot of closure for me with that. iTunes, if you haven't left an iTunes review yet, please do so. And also you can listen and leave reviews on um, Google Play Store or uh, Stitcher, which I use Stitcher sometimes. That's a pretty good service. They've gotten their act together over the last couple of years. So I know they don't need my my raving review about them, but they're better than they used to be. Um, That's it then. Episode 188 of Full of Sith for my great grand amazing co-hosts amy ratcliffe and brian young i am the mike pilot may the force be with you always
0: But if you'll not be meeting me,
3: I'll close down for a while. Mm. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell.